Studios of WORQ in Wisconsin. This is the Stand Up for the Truth podcast. Today's issues, overlooked headlines, and biblical observations, equipping the remnant around the globe. Got your sword handy? This is Stand Up for the Truth. Thursday, November 9, 2023, a fresh new podcast. For our radio listeners at 1041 in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, 1077 in Oshkosh. In 90.1 Green Bay Fox Cities and online at q90fm.com slash listen. I'm Crash Connell, and here she is back at the host mic, Mary, I'm Vertical Danielson. That would be me. Yes, it's great to be here. Um, looking forward to today. We got Heidi St. John with us, and we're going to uh, take some time to send some questions her way about ministry and motherhood and the war that we are all in. Whether we realize it or not, whether we are engaged or not, it exists. And we're also going to talk about the Ohio election results regarding abortion and all these constitutional amendments. What does it mean? We're going to ask Heidi to sort that out for us. I have a scripture to open with, as always. We are going to pray, and we're going to jump in with both feet. This morning, Colossians 1, 9-14, which says, For this reason also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Wow, that are some loaded verses, a lot of doctrine there. Fantastic verses. Let's pray this morning. Would you pray with me? Oh, Lord, we bring you our joys, our sorrows, our highs and lows, our day-to-day lives. We ask that you would make something beautiful from these broken vessels. Lord, we pray for the church at large to be alert and awake in these times and to shine brightly as long as we can. I pray for those who are hurting, who think that they have nothing to bring to you, and yet you make all things beautiful in your perfect timing. Lord, we love you for that. I pray for Heidi today. ask that you bless her and her family with good health, wisdom, and endurance to stay in the fight for truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Like I said, Heidi St. John is with me today. Um, She's blessed and encouraged tens of thousands of readers through her blog, her Facebook page, her books. And now MomStrongInternational.com, where she leads women through a continuing online Bible study and relationship building as they uh, all hashtag get off the bench and hashtag onto the battlefield together. She's a favorite speaker and author, and she approaches marriage and parenting with humor and grace. She's the author of seven books. Her most recent book is MomStrong365, a devotional, and that's the latest in the MomStrong collection. She's also released Prayers for the Battlefield, one of my favorites, Staying MomStrong in the Fight for Your Family and Your Faith, Becoming MomStrong, How to Fight with All That's in You for Your Family and Your Faith. And she uh, just loves to come alongside moms to build a solid biblical foundation for their families with accompanying Bible study. HeidiStJohn.com, podcast off the bench. Heidi, welcome back to Stand Up for the Truth. 
Hey, it's good to be back. Thanks for having me. Yes, it's great to talk with you today. Before we discuss the Tuesday election results, I just want to ask you to catch us up on what's new with you since we chatted last. I think it's been several months. Um, what's new with you, ministry-wise, uh, personal-wise, whatever? Well, I think the, the biggest thing is we've opened the, <clears throat> the Homeschool Resource Center in Vancouver. We moved, from a, uh, a, we moved to a new building at the end of June, and we've got over 700 students there, wow. uh, which is really exciting. The, the 700 Club is actually just out at the, at the building, and I believe that that, uh, that interview is going to air in a couple of days. Great. But it's really exciting. We're, we're making a huge dent in trying to help rescue kids from the public school system. So that's, that's the biggest thing we got going on. I have a brand-new book just came out. Uh, it's called Mom Strong 365, staying, staying Strong in the Fight Every Day of the Year. So it's a 365-day devotional, and that just released also. So you know me. I'm just sitting around letting the grass grow under my feet. <laughs> yeah, I knew that. <laughs> it's great about the homeschool, the proactiveness of, of, of the homeschool thing and, and doing something positive to get kids out of the public school. That's fantastic. Um, and one more thing before we jump into the, the uh, Ohio issue. And others, what what is MomStrong International? Tell us what that is and, and what does that entail and, and what are you studying right now? Well, right now I'm taking uh, women through the book of Revelation. Ooh. And so we started that in September and I'll be wrapping up that study uh, here in a couple of weeks in December. But just walk them through. Uh, MomStrong International, is all, it also goes by the name Faith That's it is not just for moms anymore. I got so many of the, the moms who were in the study said, hey, I have a, a best friend from work, and I've got a friend from church, but they're not mothers, and they want to study the Bible. So we rebranded it to uh, be called Faith That Speaks, because our faith should speak. I love mm-hmm. to ask women, if your faith found its voice, what would God have you say? If your mm-hmm. faith found its feet, where would God take you? And so every single month there, we release a brand new Bible study, and uh, like I said, we're just we're going through the month of Revelation. What an incredible time to be studying Revelation! Yeah. And in January, we're going to kick it off in the Book of Esther. And I'll be reminding uh, women everywhere. We have two thousand women a month that study with me. Wow, that's fantastic! And, uh, yeah, we'll be reminding them. You guys were born for this time in history, yeah, so yeah. it's a it's an important time to be studying the Bible. I think you know we live in a generation of Christians. I call them the feel-good Christian generation. We we know all the words to all the, the popular worship songs, and boy, we can show up to church with the best of them, but we don't know God's Word, and we can't defend it. Yeah. And so uh, that's really what I have devoted most of my life to, is uh, teaching the Word to women, and I'm excited to see where, where it goes uh, in 2024. Are you finding that, I don't know if you know if you know this, that this is a first time through Revelation for a lot of the, the students? Yes, and um, I grew up studying Revelation. My grandmother, my grandfather was a uh, pastor, and my grandmother was a Bible teacher, and she loved the book of Revelation. So I kind of grew up studying it, okay. and uh, and I'm noticing there's a very keen interest right now in Revelation, because the church, if, if you're not awake to what's happening spiritually, you're just not awake at all. Yeah. And there's so many things going on in the world right now, particularly, my goodness, over in Israel, we're mm-hmm. watching as... China and Iran look like they could be forming a, a too close of a snuggly little friendship over there. And so I think people are really interested in it, and the church shies away from it yeah. because it's a difficult book to study. Mm-hmm. And we don't, and the other thing I think is important about, you know, when we talk about Revelation, we're not talking about salvation issues. These are not, uh, it's not the gospel, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's okay to disagree. And I, I open the, the study up by telling the women, listen, I'm going to come at this from a position that I think is the most biblically sound. 
uh, in terms of my own study of uh, eschatology, but it's okay to disagree. These are not deal breakers, right? So I'm going to come at it from a pre-tribulation rapture. I think there's a very strong case to be made in Scripture mm-hmm. for that. But if someone disagrees with me, that's okay. It's okay. Let's study together. Let's talk about it. Let's mm-hmm. sharpen each other. The Bible says there's a blessing that mm-hmm. comes from studying the book of Revelation. So, yes, I, I'm seeing a lot of interest in it. You know, I wake up every morning and go, what chapter of Revelation are we living in today? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's exciting. It's it's really, uh, last week I finished up, well, I'm almost through the bold judgment. So those, those of course, the oh. most severe of God's yeah. uh, judgment on the earth. So next week we'll be we'll be talking about the marriage supper of the Lamb. So that'll be a much more fun topic. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of heavy stuff in there, and it really takes many, many years to have a working knowledge of prophecy. And, and this is, yes. jump in. You know, I, I tell people, just jump in, because everybody starts somewhere. And but study to show yourself a proof so that you know where does Israel fit? Where is the church during this time? Yeah. You know, uh, study just just study, and the Lord will guide and direct. So that's fantastic. I love yeah. that you guys are doing that. Um, uh, that's a lot. To, it's a lot to bite off, but praise the Lord. It's it's in the scriptures, and we need to. We can't can't cut that out. Uh, pastors yeah, need and to. It's, a, it's really joyful. I think it's encouraging because mm-hmm. it's, it's it tells us several things. One. God is aware of the suffering that's happening on this earth, and he has a timetable. It is going to come to an end. Mm -hmm. It is. Mm -hmm. And so when when we study it, we're reminded that God is all the things that he says he is all through Scripture. He loves us all throughout, even the judgments. He sends angels to warn the people over and over and over again. And so God loves the people of this earth, and uh, Revelation shows that he is both a God of mercy and love, but also a God of justice. He hates sin. And boy, the culture right now, uh, we are steeped in sin, steeped in sexual sin. Uh, obviously, we're going to be talking about the abortion ruling. I saw this morning that uh, President Biden has issued a stunning mandate on uh, the use of pronouns. It's ridiculous. And mm-hmm. this is a spiritual battle. These mm-hmm. are battles that we are fighting against the prince of the power of the air, who the Bible says has authority over this world. And we're seeing it every day play out in the news. Yes, we are indeed. And, you know, we long for justice. We long for a world in which righteousness dwells. And that will not happen until Jesus comes back. But that concept of ju- justice, because right. we're missing justice. We, we open up the news and we go, oh, where's the justice in that? You know, fill in the blank. We, we're missing that and we long for it because God has put that in our hearts. And so when you study revelation and prophecy, you see how it comes out in the end. So we just do, we occupy, we do what we're called to do with both feet on the ground. And then God um, takes care of the end game. But um, there's a reason we long for those things, because God has put that in our hearts. So, Yes, that's right. Praise God. We know how it ends, and uh, we win. So uh, let's switch gears a little bit here, <laughs> Heidi. Um, uh, Ohio voters enshrine abortion access in Constitution in latest statewide win for reproductive rights. This article says... Ohio voters approved a constitutional amendment on Tuesday that ensures access to abortion and other forms of reproductive health care, the latest victory for abortion rights supporters supporters since the U.S. Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade last year. And then it goes on to say Ohio became the seventh state where voters decided to protect abortion access after the landmark ruling and was the only state to consider a nationwide abortion rights question this year. But this, Heidi, this issue dominates elections. The Democrats have found that if they keep hammering and harping at it, that they are going to have victories. Shameful. This is shameful. But, um, I mean, even Trump won Ohio by eight points twice. So this isn't just a Democrat issue, or is it, Heidi? Well, no, it's not. I mean, the church, the church has cowered 
uh, away from this for a very long time. We very it's hard. You're hard pressed to find a church that's going to address it from the pulpit. Mm-hmm. And so the church has decided that we don't belong in politics, and we've decided that abortion is a political issue. And unfortunately, I mean, you guys know I ran for Congress last mm-hmm. year in the third congressional district in Washington State, and I will tell you, uh, my my takeaway from that, it frankly, was heartbreaking for me. It was devastating and heartbreaking because. Uh, I saw the church over and over again. Oh, yeah, no, we we don't talk about that. Those are political issues. Ninety nine percent of the issues that we deal with in governance in this country are moral at yeah. their root. Yeah. And abortion is the number one moral issue that we deal with. Mm-hmm. It is not political. It is spiritual. Mm-hmm. The church has a place and they have abandoned it. And the thing that bothers me the most about the, the ruling in Ohio, I, I cried. I felt about the ruling in Ohio the same way that I felt when the United States Supreme Court enshrined uh, gay marriage Mm. into the national landscape. I I can remember where I was, and I fell to my knees and I cried, and that's how I felt on Tuesday night. Mm. Uh, God's not going to hold us guiltless for this, and Mm. and it's not going to change the law on the ground immediately, but it will have massive implications for what comes next. And we're going to see... The abortion uh, abortion ballot uh, initiatives, rather, on the ballot in conservative states, because if they can do it in Ohio, they can do it in Oklahoma. Yeah. They can do it in Oklahoma, they can do it in, in Tennessee. And we are being outspent. We are being massively outspent, outraised and outspent on this issue. The Democrats have made this. The killing of a child. Think of it, Mary. Mm-hmm. They have made the killing of an innocent human being the number one talking point out on the stump. Yeah. The number one talking point. I mean, God forgive us, but I think this this does not bode well for 2024. Yeah, that's just despicable on every level. And and that's how I framed it, too, uh, in my heart and my mind when I I heard what happened. And when you talk about the, the gay marriage, I remember that, too. And I remember thinking specifically, our world is about to change radically. How can it not? And yes. it has. It has been a Pandora's box of wickedness on every single level. And I just felt like we entered a new era of, of amorality, not just immorality, amorality at that point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we have a, the, the younger, you know, the rising, as Thomas Jefferson called them, the rising uh, uh, generation is really, I mean, they, they're, they're hanging on to this thing because they've made it about their identity. And the left has successfully stolen the narrative on it. And we saw this with uh, Governor Yunkin in Virginia, who they really, I mean, they bet their election nights on abortion. They both did. But I watched Governor Yunkin's uh, latest abortion ad, and it, it, made me, it made me want to cry. I, told my, I watched his ad, and I told my husband, he's going to lose. He's going to lose. Because he, he, never, he never made the case for life. He never said, uh, listen, we've got massive problems at our southern border. We have a national debt that is absolutely spiraling out of control. Uh, the, the Biden administration has taken us literally to the brink of World War III. You can lay this at completely at the feet of Joe Biden and his poor leadership. And the United States has seen as weak. Wars break out around the world. Mm-hmm. We've got massive issues, and the Democrats have made the elections about abortion. And about what they say are women's a women's right to healthcare, which what a ridiculous thing to say. This is not healthcare. This is actually the opposite of healthcare. It's killing people instead mm-hmm. of making them healthy. But the issue that has happened in the Republican Party, and I saw this up close and personal when I was running for Congress, is that we decided, well, we'll just soften the language. Mm. So Governor Yunkin released an ad 
recently said, the Republicans, we hear you on abortion. We hear you. We hear you. Uh, so I, I stand for abortion. This is Governor Youngkin saying this, not Heidi St. John. Uh, Governor Youngkin said, I stand for abortion rights uh, uh, up until 15 weeks. And we, we will give you uh, exceptions for the rape or incest of a woman. But there are no, we, we would never say, Mary, we would never say that about slavery. If you said that about slavery, uh, you'd be tarred and feathered and on the front cover of Time magazine because we just can't have that. No slavery. We'll murder our unborn. Yeah. Absolutely. And up to 15 weeks, it's okay. I mean, let's enslave somebody up to 15, uh, 15 years old. Yeah. We would never say that well. because we value human life once, it's, once that child is born. Yeah. Well, actually, we don't in California. I mean, they they have a, they've got you know afterbirth abortion there. It's ridiculous what this country is doing. But my point is, we're never going to win the argument by softening our stance because mm-hmm. all of a sudden now you don't have an argument because if you're saying, well, it doesn't matter until 15 weeks, then why did it matter before? Yeah. Wow. And he ruined his argument and he disenfranchised the real pro-lifers are like, well, you're not pro-life, and now he just disenfranchised them from voting and the hardcore left who really wants abortion enshrined into every state constitution in the country, just said, well, there you go. He just gave it to us. Hmm. He just, and they're never going to come over to our way of thinking. No. They're never going to come around. So we need to talk about the issue as if it really is with compassion mm-hmm. and uh, with common sense and with conviction. We're missing the conviction piece of it and trying to convince the radical left that life is valuable. I mean, mm-hmm. watch what's going to happen with our euthanasia laws. That's the next big battle in this country. Once they win abortion and they've done the very young, now it's the weak and the elderly. Uh, We must value life because God values life. Mm -hmm. Full stop. That has always got to be the position of the church. And by the way, when I was running for Congress, I learned something. Somebody wanted to make the issue about abortion to me. I would turn it right back around and say, okay, all right. So what about 15 weeks? I would say I'm pro-life. I'm pro-life, full stop. Let's talk about what's going on on the southern border. Why why are we allowing a full-scale invasion of this nation on our southern border, and you want to talk about, and your big deal is, I want to be sure I can kill an unborn baby. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it makes no sense at all, but we're not framing it that way anymore. We're running from the issue, and it's killing us. Yeah. Well, actually, it's killing it's killing children. It, it's, it's insane on so many levels, because when I encounter someone who is pro-choice, which doesn't happen that often, or pro-death, let's call it what it is, I'll say, okay, so you're you. I'm talking to you. You're a fully formed human being. Um, were you you at two cells? Were you you at 32 cells? Were you you at 120 cells? Were you you at 16 weeks? Oh, wait, 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 wait. If you were you, you know, when you were 120 cells, and now here you are as a fully formed human, if you were killed before 15 weeks, after 15 weeks, it doesn't matter. There's no you. How, how do they not get this? It, it, it doesn't become something different at 15 weeks. And the moms are being duped. The, the, mom, the moms, I'm not going to say women, I say moms, are being duped because they say, well, I get to choose what I do with my body. I get to choose, uh, I have rights to do this. No, let's think this through. You only have the rights, these rights, if the Democrats give you permission. That's right. even weirder when you think about it. Now we're waiting for politi- polit- politicians uh, to give women the right to do this, it's Heidi. It's just sick beyond beyond belief. That's 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 all I got. Yeah. Well, it is, and and we're going to be. I mean, we should be very honest about this. We are going to be judged for this. Mm-hmm. God takes the murder of the innocent very very seriously, 
and we should take it seriously. I mean, the, the conservatives, and we did, we, you know, we rightly rejoiced when they overturned uh, Roe v. Wade in 2022. But now, 17 months later, we're really watching the political consequences of this decision because the church is weak on the issue and conservatives don't know how to talk about it. Yeah, right. And so they're going to continue. I mean, we saw this in Kentucky. We saw it in Virginia. Uh, and I believe, I mean, the spiritual ramifications for this country uh, and think about Kentucky. I mean, my friend uh, Ken Ham lives out there. This is the the state that hosts the Ark Encounter, yeah. solidly red state, with a Democrat governor. You know, the wicked Andy mm-hmm. uh, Bashir. Yeah, I mean, this guy. This guy literally sailed into a second term. How did mm-hmm. he do that? Yeah. He ran a campaign that supported the state uh, that talked about his opponent supporting a state's near total ban on abortion. That's how he won. That's how he won. Mm. Yeah. So I, I, I mean, we we better we we need to pray. I mean, one of the the main themes that I have noticed in my you know study of Revelation, which I've studied like I said my whole life, but as I'm taking women through it again, what we see in Revelation from the very beginning, when John pens those letters to the seven churches, is the Holy Spirit saying, "Repent." Do you know what stops judgment? Repentance stops judgment. Mm-hmm. Repentance stops judgment. That should be the theme of the church. Repent, repent, repent. Judgment begins in the house of the Lord. Yeah. And what I'm seeing is the opposite of that in the church. Mm-hmm. What I'm seeing is we become even more cowardly. That's the other thing. You go to mm-hmm. the very last chapter of the of the Bible uh, in Revelation 22, when God outlines at the end of the day what is it that separates men from God, besides obviously the rejection of, of Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's the very first thing on the list. Do you know what it is? It's cowardice. Coward, cowardice, yeah. It's cowardice. And boy, oh boy, wow. oh boy, the church is filled with cowards. Yeah. Wow. Yes. This is exciting. I'm sorry. I came to, I came to lift you guys up. How are you feeling? No. Are you feeling good? <laughs> no, it, these, <laughs> things, these things need to be said because we, we continually come to watershed moments. And now the AP put out an article uh, about uh, here are the states where abortion access may be on the ballot in 2024. So this is far from over. Um, oh, and it's not over. Yeah, it, it won't be over for a long time. Um, Arizona, they want advocates want to amend the state constitution there. Colorado um, currently has no state laws barring abortion at any point in in pregnancy, but they also have uh, sort of uh, vocal abortion um, uh, pro life uh, advocates there too. Florida want they want a constitutional amendment. Iowa, God bless Iowa. There's no right to abortion in the state constitution at all right now. So if if they want to, because they have Republican controlled legislature. Um, well, think about think about what we're saying as a country. We are saying that we want this enshrined yes. in the fabric of our country. Do you know what mm-hmm. our constitution is for? It's for freedom. Right. The constitution exists to remind us that our rights have been given to us by God. Mm-hmm. That's the entire reason the constitution exists. And now we're saying. That the constitutions in our states are not focused on the rights that have been given to us by God, which, by the way, we're giving up. We we gave up a million of them in in COVID, yeah. right? Right. So we're not focused on our rights that come from God. Now we're saying that our main right, our our, our big priority in the United States, is we want to be sure that we can murder, yeah. tear our unborn babies limb from limb and suck their brains out and throw them in the garbage. That's what we're saying. We want enshrined in our state constitutions. Shame on us for this. And God will hold us responsible. He absolutely will. And as we we saw what happened to the country after we enshrined uh, homosexual marriage, 
And now that we are enshrining the murder of our unborn, whoa, whoa, whoa. I mean, I, mm-hmm. you can hear the angels, right? Whoa, yeah. <laughs> whoa to the inhabitants of the earth. Yeah. I can hear them. Well, yeah. I'll tell you. Yeah. it's. I don't know who decided that it needed to be in these states' constitutions, but that's a horrible idea. I, I was also... That would be Satan. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Satan himself. Um, yep. Also, and I, I was reading, um, just to uh, change the subject just a little bit, um, Jeff Childers, Coffee and COVID, he talks about um, some slightly good news that had trickled in oh, yesterday good. from local races. Okay, so I know I know that uh, Jeff believes, as we do too, and I have said this here on Stand Up many times, local, 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 because that's where laws get changed yep. and that would affect yep. you. The, he, was said, he said, I was heartened and gratified to see many local races flipping conservative. Um, the plucky group Moms for Liberty, a collection of domestic terrorists, if there ever was one, reported winning no fewer than 50-plus school board seats yesterday and 90-plus more before that just this year alone. And he, he goes on to say, um, we need to be careful of focusing all our attention on presidential politics. He says, I think it distracts people from actually fixing the nation's problems. And he, and this is how he reasons this. He says, remember who it was that declared you, your church, and your small businesses were non-essential? It wasn't the president. It wasn't even Fauci. It was your local county commissioner. He yep. says, wake up. The feds only published guidelines. In most states, local politicians use their broad emergency powers to pull the country's economic plug and now look at where we are. And so I do like that. I like that the state board seats are, 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 are seeing some victory. And I also, uh, do very much like it when people, uh, focus on local because I love, I love what we brought in the COVID, the COVID thing there too. And that's what ruined our local economy. So what are your thoughts on, on local, local, local? <laughs> Well, I I could not agree with you more. I I mean I mean I'm over here golf clapping for you and uh, throwing my pillows in the air. Oh yay! Listen, you know we we focus in this country and we're doing it again on federal elections. We focus on and I ran for a federal seat, so I'm a huge mm-hmm. fan of you know making sure we get good people in the federal government. But at the end of the day, you were absolutely right, and COVID highlighted it. Why were our states shut down? They were shut down because wicked, unconstitutional. Uh, governors who don't understand, who don't understand freedom and don't care about, we're mm-hmm. willing to give up our, our liberty for a virus with a 99.9% survival rate. We're will, willing to give it up. Mm-hmm. So you've got that. Now look at your local school boards, your local city councils. Just yesterday here where I live in the city of Vancouver, Washington, the city council who are run by cowards and leftists decided that a huge chunk of our budgets here locally are going to go to build homeless camps, which really are just hotbeds for uh, for prostitution and for drug use and for sex trafficking. Mm-hmm. And now they're going to literally start building them underneath our bridges. And guess who's paying for it? Mm-hmm. How do you think John going to pay for it? Yeah, That's happening not at the federal level. That's happening at the local level right. because, and again, we, you know, we, we got to keep going back to it. The, the church has removed itself from politics. And when you remove the light, darkness will always fill the vacuum. Mm-hmm. We've got to start talking about political issues, which are really moral issues, in the church, again, politics determines policy. Mm-hmm. Policy shapes a nation. Mm-hmm. And we are being shaped from our school boards, from the smallest jurisdictions, which we all thought didn't matter. I mean, I started going to school board meetings eight years ago before it was cool, and listening to what was happening there, and it was alarming to me. Mm-hmm. It was alarming to me 10 years ago. Yeah. 
And now we're way down. I mean, and actually, and I love Moms for Liberty. I know those guys. I've worked with them. Hmm. But the reality is we also lost a lot of school board races yesterday. Why? Hmm. Or on Tuesday. Because we didn't turn out. People did not turn out to vote. The midterm elections are typically have very low turnout. And we saw that again on Tuesday. And so I think you're you're looking at a lot. of And, and honestly, let's, you know, 2022 was a brutal year for politics. Yes. It was, certainly was for me. Yeah. I ran in 2022. Yeah. And I think people are fatigued by it. Mm-hmm. They're tired of talking about politics. I'm tired of it. I mean, honestly, can we just get back to, I love bacon sourdough bread. Can we just get back <laughs> to talking about sourdough and homemaking? And, yeah. and, and fall, you know, how much we love fall. We're doing yeah. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, yes, yes. But <laughs> the world is on fire and God calls us off the bench and onto the battlefield. Yeah. And he doesn't give us a pass because we're tired of talking about it. Right, right. And so, you know, people like you and me, you know, out sounding the alarm, and we're going to have to focus on these local races. Uh, my husband and I started, uh, we run a nonprofit organization, have now for about uh, 20, over 25 years. It's called Firmly Planted Family, and people can find it online. But we started uh, over the summer something called Firmly Planted Action, uh, which is a five, instead of a 501c3, it's a 501c4, and it's going to help us get the message the off the bench message yeah. into churches around the nation. That's great, Heidi. We have to take a break. I'm just enjoying this so much. HeidiStJohn.com. We're going to be back in part two with more. I want to read one final quote from Jeff Childers here. He says, when folks become completely fascinated by one person as their political savior, whether it's Trump, Bashir, DeSantis, whoever, they cheapen politics, turning civic participation into a rah-rah sporting event like the Super Bowl. They forget all about the fundamentals. Folks say they hate the uniparty, but that's a lazy excuse for inaction. There's no uniparty in local politics, and I say amen to that. Heidi St. John is with us. We will be talking about parenthood uh, when we come back in two minutes. Stay with us. Your prayers and ongoing financial support keep our Truth at Any Cost mission strong. StandUpForTheTruth.com Welcome back to Stand Up For The Truth. My name is Mary Danielson. Uh, This Thursday, we're glad that you're with us. Heidi St. John is with me today, and I love her passion, and I love her clear thinking about uh, issues that affect families. And not just that, they affect all of us, because judgment is coming to this sin-soaked world and we don't know when that is, but we are going to stay busy. We're going to keep both feet on the ground. And as Heidi says, get off the bench. Your podcast, Off the Bench. A um, lot of great content there. Uh, Q, Q&A. Uh, there's just so much to hear. Uh, and Heidi's a straight shooter, and we're so glad she's with us today. We're going to talk about momhood. Uh, she's got a new book, Mom Strong 365. It's a devotional. It just came out in September. And I know that uh, parents being on the front lines need all the encouragement they can get because it is an exhausting job and it is the best job in the world. But moms of all generations, Christian moms, have always faced a spiritual battle for their kids. In generations past, Heidi, it was more on the simmer setting, you know, but now on so many fronts, the pot is boiling over, the gender movement, alternative lifestyles, shooting in schools. When I was a kid, no one worried about guns in schools, porn in libraries, now we're on red alert, and we absolutely cannot uh, put off confronting the enemy. And I guess, Heidi, my first question for you in the mom arena is, how can we uh, encourage parents within the church? Because we go to church, and you know we have the message and the worship, and then everyone kind of gets about their lives. There's Sunday school going on, and it sort of is just a snapshot in our week, or that's what it's become. How can we encourage parents more 
uh, from the pulpit and, and to get off the bench and not fall into thinking that things are good if, if we think the fight has cooled off. What can we do in the church? Well, I think the, the, the main message of the church uh, needs to shift dramatically. I mean, uh, I have, as you guys know, my husband and I have seven children. Our oldest daughters are in their 30s now. Our youngest kids are, you know, my youngest daughter is going to turn 13. So I've got a... I've got a 13-year-old and, you know, kids all the way up into their 30s, and I've got grandchildren now, and I'm telling you, I am raising my 13-year-old in a vastly different world than Mm. I raised my 30-something daughters. Mm. Mm -hmm. And we need to talk about the differences in the culture then as it is uh, right now. And I think the church for a long time has just silently been, you know, we, we, we say, hey, let, you know, we've got a MOPS program for you where you drop off your kids and we come and we, you know, complain about our husbands for a couple of hours and we get a cupcake and then we thank the people for watching our kids because it's such a, you know, it's just, it's just so hard. It's so hard. We got to stop treating parenthood this way. This is a war. Mm-hmm. It's a war for the hearts and minds of your children. And the very first thing that the, that the churches need to do is to stop encouraging parents to outsource parenting. And we've outsourced it. We outsourced it on Sundays to our youth pastors and our Sunday school leaders. And I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings, but your pastor, my husband was a pastor for 22 years. Your pastor's job is not to put a bottle in your mouth and make you feel good because you came to church. Mm -hmm. Your pastor's job is to suit you up, is not to suit you up for war. Your pastor's job is to encourage you, to remind you of what this is all about, so that when you leave on Sunday morning, you're reminded, oh, hey, my responsibility, it's my responsibility to train my children in righteousness. It's my responsibility in the Word. Listen, Mom and Dad, you can't pass on what you don't possess. Yeah. We can't give our children what we don't have. And so the church's number one jo- uh, role in all of this is to equip the, uh, the people for the job that's ahead of them, to remind them you need to be in the Word not just on Sunday, yeah. but on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday when everybody just wishes it was Friday. Be in the Word. Be in the Word. And what we've done is we've become lazy in our, in our walk with the Lord. We are a biblically, we're living in, I think, uh, probably one of the most dangerous times in human history because we have abandoned uh, objective truth. Yeah. And so we're living in a very dangerous time in terms of deception. And it's a perfect storm because we, we're facing a generation of biblically illiterate Christians, and the churches are not serious about studying the Bible anymore. Yeah. I mean, some of them are. But most of them are not. They mm-hmm. won't touch these difficult issues. They won't talk about transgenderism from the pulpit. They won't talk about the rise uh, in abortion. They won't talk about the decline in healthy marriages and families. They're not telling their parents, hey, take your kids out of these indoctrination camps, otherwise known as the public school, which is exactly what they are. You can't send your kid to Rome five days a week, eight hours a day for nine months out of the year and expect them to come out as anything other than a Roman. Yeah. But that's what we've done. And so the church has a tremendous responsibility in the culture right now. And and I can tell you, having done it, uh, motherhood is exhausting. It's why I spend a lot of my time ministering to mothers, trying to, you know, dust them off and give them a cool drink of water and put them right back in the ring. You can't can't sit it out. Yeah, Yeah, that's absolutely true. And it's worth it. But this idea that somehow there's an easy button for parenting... Is just a lie from the enemy, because then you think, oh, this is so hard, it's so difficult. And then when it gets difficult and hard, you know, we call our mom friends and we whine about it, and we meet at Starbucks for a mocha with extra whip when we should be getting on our knees 
and saying, Father, equip us for this battle, because like Solomon, we can't do it without you. And the church has a tremendous responsibility to shepherd and steward that message. Yes, yes, definitely. And and the church kind of just fell off the scene there for a little while. As soon as we got our purpose, we were living for our purpose and, and, you know, seeker sensitive, filling the pews, nickels and noses and all that. And it just became something other than church, which is to equip the saints, build up the body, uh, teach the word. And so there's been, um, you know, the enemy just kind of derailed a lot of believers and said, oh, you don't need to do any of that. And now you have people that don't even bring their Bible to church. That stopped happening a long time ago. And now we're in trouble here because we, as parents, we have, and even as just people, adults, we have various battlefields you know, engaging the culture and then ap- appealing to the followers of the unknown God, like Paul talks about in Acts 17, um, you know, being able to share our faith with people, but then um, raising up our kids. So we, we want to be a light to our community. Uh, there's so many hats that we wear, Heidi. And I'm thinking of First yep. Peter 5, 8, uh, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And then it says, resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. So so we have we get battles when, when we come across um, unsaved people. We want to share the love of Christ with them. And that takes a lot of energy and boldness. But then we have personal battles, as you know, the marriage front. If there's illness in the household, that can come on suddenly. Relationships at church, the enemy going after our kids, tempting them to rebel. You know, sometimes we go into that situation of home. We have this ideal Christian home life in our heads. But we need to get that out of our heads because that doesn't exist. And also, uh, if the enemy can go after your marriage, he already has an open door to attack and destroy your kids' faith. So being strong... Um, it, it does start with the word, doesn't it? I mean, if that's something that we absolutely have to be ready for. But what about when it comes to inside your house, uh, in through your back door? How can we be ready um, within the home life? There's so many fronts fronts of attack on our lives. So how, do you, how can we just be um, ready for that, that marriage attack or that youngster that just wants to go off and rebel? What I know prayer. Prayer will be on our top on our list. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, prayer is at the top of the list, but if you're, you know, and, and I think, you know, you, you bring up prayer and it's really important because I think we have forgotten that, uh, prayer actually moved heaven. Mm-hmm. Another thing that has been highlighted, you know, uh, as I'm studying Revelation again, is that, uh, you know, in Revelation, I think it's chapter 14, you know, the prayers of God's people are offered up to him in a sensor of burning incense mm-hmm. and those prayers rise to God and it moves him to action. Prayer touches the heart of God. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times mothers especially, you know, or or even dads for that matter, we feel like, well, all I can do is pray. Oh, that is so much. But prayer is, prayer, uh, it should be a discipline for us. It's almost a labor. And I say that as a woman who struggles to pray because um, you guys, you know, from what you know of me, I'm sure you can understand this. I am a very uh, passionate woman. I'm a doer. And I often feel like if I can't do something like literally get out and actually do it, then there's nothing I can do. But that's not true. Mm. Prayer is hugely important. And then we pray to ask God what to do. That's why we pray. Yeah. Father, heal our land. Lord, show me. You you have me here for this time in human history. I could have been born 100 years ago or 100 years from now, but for whatever reason, all of us listening to this today are here in 2023. Why? Yeah. Show me, Lord. What do you want me to do? And then outside of that, we listen for the instruction of the Lord, but then we guard our homes. How do you guard your marriage? 
Well, you don't ignore it. That's the first thing, mm. right? And so Jay and I just celebrated our 34th anniversary, mm. and we uh, we were talking about, you know, all the, the different seasons of marriage that we have been through raising seven children. Uh, we, we've lost a child. We've lost a home. You know, we've had a lot of, of difficult things that have happened to us in, 35, in 35, 36 years. But I will tell you that the Lord has strengthened our marriage partly because we understand the spiritual nature of it and partly because we're willing to do the hard work. And that's not to say that life has been easy, mm-hmm. but to recognize, wow, you know what, is exactly what you said, Mary. If, if the enemy can take out a marriage, he's got a clean shot at children. And that's yeah. what it's always been about. Yeah. That's what it's always been about. And so nurture your marriage. You, we should nurture the marriages before we nurture the children. Mm-hmm. Right? These are overflow principles out of God's Word. Mm-hmm. God says that the primary thing in our house is to love the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Mm-hmm. And out of an overflow what God does between me and Him, in my time with the Lord in the morning, I pour into my husband. And out of an overflow what God does between my husband and myself, we pour into our children. Mm-hmm. And out of an overflow then of what God does as a family is strengthened, then we pour into the community. And so often we want to get that mixed up. It's easier to pour into somebody else's family, I think, sometimes than it is to pour into our own. Mm-hmm. And so I think this is why you see so many marriages fall apart, especially pastors' families. Pray for your pastors, my goodness. You know, we should be we should be encouraging our pastors and our pastors' wives uh, away for a season to love each other, to make sure that their families are uh right before the Lord, and that they have healthy families. You can't give what you don't have. You can't pour from an empty cup. Mm-hmm. And so I think platform is very coveted in the culture right now. And I've watched, as an author now, I've, I've just released my ninth book. I watched uh, pastors and authors and people in public life literally throw their own families away for five minutes in the spotlight. Oh. Because we want to see how, how big of it. Well, of course, my Instagram account's been pretty much shut down as of, I think, Tuesday when mm-hmm. they informed me that they will no longer be sharing my... No one who follows me on Instagram can see me now. I mean, no one who goes to Instagram can see me unless they follow me. That's Instagram's new punitive damage towards me for telling the truth on their social media platform. <laughs> but I can tell you that we, we're giving away the very best things for things like platform. And you, there is no substitute, right. you guys, for pouring into your kids. There's no substitute for pouring into your marriage. Mm-hmm. It takes time. It takes intentionality. The time for lazy Christians in this country and around the world is over. Yeah, uh, These are very serious times that we're in, and we need to take our walk with the Lord seriously. We need to take our marriages and our raising of our own children. Those responsibilities God has given to us, and we need to take them back. And uh, it's what I've spent my life you know, doing is really just trying to equip parents. My husband and I, we do marriage conferences all over the country. I do a women's conference called Faith That Speaks. Just trying to remind people, this is, stop outsourcing what God has said is your responsibility. I think then, I think we're going to live to see, I think, even no matter what comes, even if things get harder in the United States, and I think they will, I think we're in for a bumpy ride. But God said, I will never leave you, I'll never forsake you. Yeah. He says, be strong and courageous over and over and over. And when we get his priorities right in the home, then we're strengthened for the fight. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I'm so glad you, what you said about marriage being the first line of defense. Be the adults in the room because you know, you you have lived, you understand the dangers and the things that, that are lurking at the door. Your kids don't have a clue. They just need to have that nurturing environment. But be the grown-ups. And a lot of, a lot of adults have had terrible examples in their own lives uh, living in homes where no one was saved, there was there was 
they treated each other poorly. There was maybe there was only one parent. Um, they've had disadvantages all along. How how do you encourage parents who have seen the worst in marriage and the worst in parenting, and maybe they got a lot of scars themselves? How do you encourage them to to turn that around and be uh, to live out your faith? Whether you have a little crying infant and you don't have time for any devotional, you have older kids who are constantly challenging you. You don't get to you don't get to uh, experiment on a child and 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 move on. You you start with your firstborn and you have to go from there. How do you encourage people who have had such brokenness in their lives to be that parent that they need to be? Well, I I love that you asked me that question because that's I came from a home like that. Um, I came from a home that was filled with domestic violence. My dad was mm. arrested multiple times uh, when I was growing up. My parents finally divorced when I was eighteen years old. I did not see parenting modeled well for me. Mm. I did not see marriage modeled well for me. And the Lord took Heidi St. John, a woman who had never seen that modeled correctly, uh, and who cannot keep health plants alive, by the way, <laughs> and gave me seven children. Mm. It is the grace of God. People need to understand. And it sounds so simple, but I'm telling you, it is profound because this is how God works. He works through weakness. Mm. He said, my strength is found in weakness. This is why Paul said, I will boast in my weakness. Why? So that the power of Christ might rest on me. There is power, men and women, in uh, spending time with the Lord. It's like, you know, we all understand that the the concept of an electric car, which don't get me started because it's not helping (laughs) us at all, but whatever. We understand the concept of electric cars. You want to gas up your car, you plug it in. This is the same concept as we want to be strong in our homes and with our marriages and with our children and in our walk with the Lord. We got to plug into the source. Jesus said, "I'm the vine." Mm-hmm. We got to be. We've been grafted into the vine. We got to stay there, right? Mm-hmm. And so, for me, uh, you know, in raising raising all these children, and you're absolutely right. You know, you you describe the the nursing mom with you know she's been up all night and she just thinks I can't do this anymore. I'm exhausted because you know mothering is exhausting. Mm-hmm. And then right about the time that they're eating, you know, solid food, you got a teenager who's back-talking you and challenging everything you say, and you think to yourself, I can't do this anymore, this, mm-hmm. is so, this is so exhausting. Your husband comes home from work, he's been there all day, he's exhausted, you're exhausted, life is exhausting. Mm-hmm. And here's the Lord of Heaven's armies who says, you feel weak today? Congratulations, you're right where yeah. I can bless you the most. That's right. His strength is found there, and so I think it's all right, come to the Lord in prayer. He, he already understands your situation. Ask him for help. Cry out to him. The Bible says he's near to the brokenhearted. Mm -hmm. He binds up their wounds. I learned this in my own life. Uh, And and honestly, the fact that the Lord could take me out of such brokenness, Mm. and my husband and I could now celebrate 34 years of marriage, is a miracle. I'm, I'm sorry, but I see that as a certifiable, bona fide miracle to break a generational curse in my family of alcoholism and abuse. That's where I came from. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so God God, God can work in the lives of people. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter where you come from. Right, right. God is the healer. And so we look to the Lord, and it sounds trite, but I'm telling you guys, open your Bibles. Maybe read uh, the first chapter in the, in the Psalms today, or read through the book of John and listen to the voice of the one who made you. Mm-hmm. Because he has a plan and a purpose for your life, and God changes marriages, he changes trajectories. This is the power of the living God, who the Bible says does not sleep or slumber. Mm-hmm. He is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. 
He wants us to cry out to him. Mm-hmm. That's where healing is found. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad you shared that because we don't always see the Lord coming in our lives. We see his back. We see where he's been. Yep. And so you can look back on, on, on all these years of marriage and the things that you thought were going to be your undoing, God used for good. And I think we just need to be patient in the process. This is hard yes. because when you have, you know, older kids, you know, now we have to live out our faith in front of them. And parenting really keeps us real uh, because these formative humans are watching and listening. And Right. We are not the standard of excellence in their lives, nor should we be. The word has yep. to be. We have to take their hand out of ours and put it in the Heavenly Father's hand. And and so now you and you have kids in the home and they're arguing and they don't get along. You have sibling rivalries. You want to actually just, you know, do the three stooges, you know, knock their heads together at some point. Right, right. And sometimes that's appropriate. <laughs> it is. It can be appropriate, yes. Um, but they, yes. they need to see God changing us. Uh, they need to see when we need to be forgiven, when we need to ask forgiveness. It's, it is such a, um, I don't know, a, a testing ground. No matter what age your kids are, when they're tiny, you just want two minutes in the bathroom. That is your life goal. Yes. And then when they get older, it's a whole different thing. When you said, I'm raising a child completely differently than the first generation, boy, that, that just, you know, smacked my head around because I thought, wow, that wasn't a very long time in between kids. My daughter grew up in the 80s, and I think now she's raising my grandson. It's a totally different world, and parents need to keep up. But you can't do that without the Lord. No way. No way. No, it's it's important, you know, when, when we're instructed in Ephesians to put on the whole armor of God, that is a very personal uh, that's a personal command. Mm-hmm. He doesn't say, go to church so that your pastor can put on the armor for you. Right. No. He says, put on the armor of God. Well, how do you do that? You buckle the belt of truth around your waist. You take up the sword, which is the word of God. And you say, Father, show me. How can I hear from you today? And it's not easy. And I love that you said that, Mary, because, I mean, I'd love to sit here and tell you I've been a perfect parent. Uh, nothing could be farther from the truth. Yeah. You know, I have I have said things to my kids that I'm like, wow, I cannot believe that just came out my mouth, <laughs> right? Your kids will right. drive you to the absolute... Oh, end. yeah. I love to tell moms and dads, like, if your kids haven't driven you to your knees yet, you're doing it wrong, Yep. right? You, you're not paying attention to what's actually going right. on. But when we realize, oh, man, Lord, I need your help. I can't do this without you. You know, parenting uh, is, I think, it's 90% just going, Lord, help me. Yes. I don't know what I'm doing today. And the other 10%, at least for me, has been just apologizing to my kids. Yeah. Wow, I didn't get that right. Yeah. Wow, please forgive me. Let's, can we have a do-over? Let's try that again. Right. And right? Because it's sanctifying. It is. It is. And I, I said early on with my child, I said, you know what? Being a parent is like seeing your flesh walk around in someone else. Yep. You know, because they inherit yep. your traits. They are you. They are a mix of both of you. And God takes two completely different people, imperfect people, puts them together in marriage, and then says, duke it out. You know, because you are so yeah. different. And your kids then become this combination of your two different strengths and weaknesses, and you're seeing yourselves in your kids, and God is saying, this is what I see in you. So now he's working on your heart and sanctifying us as parents because our kids are a mirror to us. Yeah. And it just yep. it's just a terrifying experience. But but what, <laughs> it is the best experience in the world because I love this quote, Heidi, that you say, your kids are not boomerangs, they're arrows. Okay, so older parents, now you're dwelling in that twilight of letting go, planning for your empty nest, pre-grandparenthood if the Lord allows. And then we have Psalm 127, like arrows in the hands of a warrior are the children born in one's youth. Okay, you know, you think it's going to be easy to send them off to college or, or have them work, uh, move out and work. It's not. It's a sad time. It's an anxious time. 
And when my daughter moved out, after having, you know, she she stayed in town. She uh, she went to work, um, and she would return to our home every night after work, and and we'd, we'd leave the light on for her, of course. And when she turned the light off, at, we knew that she came home safely. Now she's returning to an apartment in a neighborhood that I don't know. I couldn't yep. turn off that porch light, Heidi. I couldn't. I would leave it on uh, yep. for a couple of weeks at least after she had moved out, and then it was time to yep. shed a few tears. And let it go. But the war doesn't stop. It enters a different no. phase. And you're still on your knees. You think you're a parent for 18 years? Well, think again. Boy, it's so true. Yep. It's so true. And, and I, I resonate. And boy, I'll tell you, when my first daughter, I mean, she's been married now for almost 15 years. Mm. But when she moved out, I'll tell you what. <laughs> I mean, I cried and cried. Mm-hmm. And with each of my kids, you know, people think, oh, you know, I, 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 I actually love it, Mary, when someone says to me, well, I cried when my kids moved out. You know what? If you're crying, you did it right. Yeah. It says that you, you, you've you developed this bond between you and this child, mm-hmm. and you realize, oh, man, this was so precious, and now it's over. It's every Everything that we're doing in life is seasonal. Mm-hmm. It's all seasonal. Breathing is seasonal. We're only here for a little while. That's right. Raising our children is seasonal. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes, there's a time for everything. Mm-hmm. And so I love that that uh, that you hold on. You've held on to that relationship with your daughter, and you recognize when she moved out that season is over, and it hurts. You grieve it, mm-hmm. and then you you put your eyes. At least I did. You know, I focus my eyes on what's the next thing. And I have got one child left at home now. All of my kids mm-hmm. are graduated. I've homeschooled all of them. Wow, they're all graduated except for my thirteen year old. And I'll tell you what, um, I've been a blubbering, sobbing mess a lot this year <laughs> as I'm recognizing this is my last one. Yeah. And I am tired, but I also, I'm trying to hang on to it. I took her for lunch yesterday, mm-hmm. uh, right before we came home and dug into uh, studying Europe. I'm trying to, we're trying to do geography together, but I'm trying to soak it in. And I hope that yeah. parents take that to heart uh, mm-hmm. because it, it is precious to raise children and it doesn't stop. I'll leave you this because I thought this was so great. I heard a mom on Instagram the other day talking to her, it was a, a mom my age in her 50s, talking to a daughter in her 30s, and her and her daughter's raising a little one now. And she's like, Mom, Mom, there's so much pressure. I only have my child for 18 summers, 18 summers. I don't want to miss anything. And I feel like I'm always messing up. And her mother goes, how old are you? Her daughter said, Mom, 32. And her mom goes, I still have you. <laughs> I, I still have you. Yeah. And I thought, oh, so much freedom in that, yeah. right? Yeah. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he won't depart from yeah. it. And those children will turn around and become your yeah. best friend and a blessing in your yes, life. Yes, absolutely. And yes, the transitions are hard, but boy, yeah. you guys, you, you're raising kids, you're raising parents for your grandchildren, yeah. and you're going to have them around mm-hmm. should the Lord tarry and should they remain healthy. Mm-hmm. You're going to have them around for almost all of your life. Mm-hmm. What a gift. It's yeah. such a precious gift. Yes, and we have no guarantees in life that, that our kids will even make it to adulthood. You know, God has other plans. Mm-hmm. There's illness. There's there's sudden death. You don't know if you'll have your mm-hmm. parents that they will live to be in an old age. So appreciate one another because you don't yeah. know what's around the bend. You don't know what's uh, what's going to happen the next day. And so while we're busy doing all of these crazy, insane things like we're on a hamster wheel, we need to take time. Just look in our kids' eyes, our spouse's eyes, and appreciate them. And don't ever take them for granted. Heidi St. John, we are so blessed to have you on here. I hope we can do it again sometime. We covered a lot of territory. Um, HeidiStJohn.com podcast, Off the Bench. 
Uh, she has many, many books to choose from. You can get those on Amazon. But Prayers for the Battlefield is one of my absolute favorites. So thank you so much, dear. And Lord bless you and everything you do for the kingdom. Um, tomorrow, Thanks for having me. Tomorrow, James Spencer, the D.L. Moody Bible uh, Center. We're looking forward to having him on uh, Kevin Minsky on Monday. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Have a great day on purpose.